I do not care about these people. I do not care about them. And it's amazing because like everyone else kind of does. And I just I think they're such trash. <laughs> to me, it's very simple. It's very I, clear. It's a very fascinating story, but I don't care. Maybe it's the Northeastern in me, but fuck them. <laughs> Who needs them? <laughs> Hi, Jillian Pensavalli. Hello, Patrick Hines. Sam, just a couple of things. As you know, the Indiegogo campaign for Obsessed Fest has run out. We are relaunching the ticket site on April 18th. Get ready. It's going to be an a la carte menu of the things you want to do. The admission to the festival, which is all the programming during the day, adding the live shows, adding the drag brunches. It's up to you, fam. Ooh, you know what that sounds like to me? Options. I love yeah. options. <laughs> you guys, very, very important. We are playing Broadway April 11th. It is like next week. Oh, my God. All I care about is that everybody who wants to to be there is there. If you have tickets and you can't make it, I am begging you from the bottom of my heart, get into the Facebook group, find the pin post. There are hundreds of people looking for tickets. Jillian and I, for our souls, we need every seat to be full. It's our Broadway debut. I cannot tell you how much that means to us. And I have to say, I don't really say things like this, but we've worked really, really hard to make a really fun, total TCO show, but also with a lot of Broadway flair and style. And like, we're working really hard on it and it means sort of the world to us. So we want you there, but if you can't be there, please make sure someone who wants to be there can be there. Yeah, really, it means everything to us. And the last thing, please come see us on tour. We are coming to Chicago, Seattle, Boston, Los Angeles, not in that order. Not even close. Tickets are selling really fast. We're doing Class Action Park. It's going to be so, so fun and funny. And let me tell you something else now that I'm here. We're not doing Class Action Park on Broadway. No, no, no. Should we tell them what we're doing? I'm going to do it. Can I say it? Okay, tell them, tell them, tell them. We're doing Killer Roll from Dateline. Obviously, it's not a bunch of actors. We're on Broadway. Yeah. Of course, we're doing the actory dateline. I'm telling you, you're going to see more old pictures of Jillian and me from our drama club days. My, my. <laughs> it's Keith, it's actors, yes, it's yes. high school photos of us. I don't know what the hell you're doing not coming to that show, honestly. <laughs> All right, girl, what are we talking about today? So we're talking about, speaking of Dateline, the Dateline episode about the Murdoch murders, which is the second part of that Kristen Smart thing that we did last week. It's the Murdoch murders. All right, let's just do the trailer. The killing of Alec Murdoch's wife and son. The Alec Murdoch murder mystery. The desperate search to find suspects. Ongoing saga surrounding a prominent and powerful family in South Carolina. You're talking five bodies in a six-year period of time. Something's fishy about this thing. Something's going on. I didn't understand why they weren't being questioned or investigated. I hope that we were instrumental in causing people to take a deeper dive on this thing. This is a living, ongoing nightmare for the people who live here. It hurts down to the soul. We just need peace. Okay, girl, here's the thing. This all happened all at once. I knew nothing about this family, nothing about anything. And all of a sudden, there's bodies all over North Carolina, and they're all related to this Murdoch family. All right, well, you've already fucked up because it's South Carolina. <laughs> Let me tell you, I have some dear friends of mine from South Carolina, and they yeah. told me in no uncertain terms to get these pronunciations right. So it's, Why? Fuck these people. I don't care about these people. Because in the South, you do things a certain <laughs> way. Okay, you guys, if you could have seen the scolding, if I, if I could eat my words. Because oh. I heard it from them months ago. Okay, <laughs> okay. When you do this on TCO, so it's Alec, it's Alec Murdoch. It's written Alex Murdoch, but it's Alec Murdoch. <laughs> like E L I 
C.K. Alec Murdoch is how you're supposed to pronounce this guy's name. Look, I love you and I will do my best, but this guy is trash and I don't care about saying his name right. Because they want us, if we're going to drag him, they want to do it right. You know yeah. what I mean? That That's okay. their intentions. But uh, you guys, if I say Alec, then I'm saying Alec. I'm sorry. Everyone else does. Who cares? These are strange days in the South Carolina low country. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. There have been unsolved murders and accidental deaths. Hard to solve and even harder to understand. We're in a town called Hampton, South Carolina. Apparently, this is the low country. I don't even know what that means. I don't either, but Craig Melvin is our host here. Craig yes. Melvin. Immediately, he's like, look, there's a lot happening here. There's unsolved murders. There's yeah. accidental deaths. And then he's like, it's you yes. know, a very public unraveling. It's worthy of a Southern Gothic novel. And I'm like, Craig, we're in. Enough with the hard sell. <laughs> Also, I, to I be fair, there are people who've had their lives destroyed because of this, and we need to get to the bottom of it. But, Craig, we're in. I agree. One of the journalists that's coming up on, she's trying to explain how much drama there is. And this writer is like, It's from Faulkner. It's from Shakespeare. It's from Grisham. And I think it really is some element of all three. How many times in his home did John Grisham rewind that moment where he was, like, held in the same league as William Shakespeare? Right. If he could frame it, he would have. <laughs> Grisham, you're okay, but you're no Shakespeare. I mean, girl. Shakespeare and like also like apples and oranges. Just let them be themselves. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. So we learned that this stupid fucking Murdoch family. It's a century old <laughs> legal dynasty. These also these are a bunch of like old cranky racists. Can we just say it? I know. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone here. The Murdochs specifically are a bunch of like crotchety old racist white dudes who like ran the Southern law. Like, oh, come on, how open minded were they? You guys, they ran the state's law system for a hundred years. And then they got to the civil war. I know. Got their hands, their mitts all over it. They show us the lineage of like the original guy from a hundred years ago and then his son and then his son. And they're all these old men pictures and I just wrote each one of these looks like they're about to have sex with a male sex worker in an airport bathroom more than the next. Oh my God. They also look exactly the same. It's like I in know. Forrest Gump where it's like <laughs> Lieutenant Dan or it's like when his father and his father and it's just <laughs> Gary Sinise playing the same role. They all look like that senator that's definitely about to vote the bad way. You know what I mean? Oh, God. And it's like, which one? I But I know exactly who you mean. They all look like Lindsey Graham. So... Yeah, totally. <laughs> Michael DeWitt, he's the editor of the Hampton County Guardian. Oh, God, that was a terrible guy. accent. I don't know what that was that came out of my mouth. I'm sorry. Michael DeWitt is the editor of the Hampton County Guardian, part of the Gannett USA Today network. If you walk down the street and talk to five people, at least three people are going to tell you that they know the Murdochs. Three of them will know this family. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, my friends from South Carolina, too, were like, everyone knows the Murdochs. Either you know of them or you like, oh, that guy knows, that guy knows. They're just, like, permeating this entire society. I'm sorry. All of their faces are so fucking punchable. Like, oh. all of these, like, rich assholes that we were promised in, like, 80s movies about people like this, none of these people look like that. None of them no. look like 1980s James Spader. You know what I mean? I was just going to say, yeah. there's, there's not a Steph from Pretty in no. Pink and <laughs> Who is? I watched that movie again recently. Yeah. God, is he trash. He I is know. so oh, horrifying God. in that. He is... He's like an he's like a horror movie villain in that. Totally. That's how mean he is. I know. He was also like 25. I love the 80s that gave us all the 25-year-olds playing 17-year-olds. I know. Except Molly Ringwald, I think, actually was. Totally. Whatever, regardless. <laughs> We digress. So then we get this frantic 911 call. It's like everything yeah. was coming up roses for the Murdochs. Or was it? Thank you, Dateline. <laughs> so then it's this Alec Murdoch guy. And it sounds like he's calling into a radio station next to the radio. Again, didn't we just do this? We just did this. It's like, turn your radio down. Hey, it's Murdoch in the morning. <laughs> 
Murdoch in the morning. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Somebody make that. Ha- I'm making that podcast. I was going to say, make that week. podcast, yeah. everybody. But so this 911 call, this is what I've, I told you about when the story was first sort of happening uh-huh. like a while oh, ago. Yeah. This is the call. So we don't hear it in this dateline, but track it down. I'm sure it's on YouTube. The dispatcher, this is how fucking rich this guy is. Yeah. The dispatcher is trying to ask like, where are you and what? And he's like, okay. And the dispatcher goes, is it a house or a trailer? And, he, and Murdoch goes, it's a house. <laughs> like, like, don't you know who I am? Like the, the idea that he wasn't oh living in some estate. It, it's a house. <laughs> Well, we do hear him say, look, it's 10.07 p.m. They're in the country house. I need the police to pass us immediately. My wife and child Are they breathing? No, ma'am. Are they in a vehicle? No, ma'am. They're on the ground. Do you see anyone in the area? No, ma'am. Okay. And did you hear anything or did you come home and find them? No, ma'am. I've been gone. I, I just came back. My wife and son have been shot, dot, 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 badly. I feel like there's only one way. I right? know. And then the operator goes, are they breathing? Are they in a vehicle? I was like, that's so weird. Every shooting call she gets is about somebody in a car, apparently. Again, she asks, like, is it a trailer? Is it a house? Right. She asks a lot of questions. <laughs> like very strange questions. But I guess, hey, that's how they do it down there. So the police arrive on the scene. They find 52-year-old wife, Maggie, and 22-year-old son, Paul, both dead. They've both been shot. It's brutal. The son was shot at, like, a very close range with a fucking shotgun. The wife was shot with like a handgun but like she fell in a way that looked like she was running from something it's a very bizarre scene this was in june 2020 and this sort of put the whole family and story on the map like outside of south carolina right yeah so then we learn about sled and that's the south carolina law enforcement division what did the police find what did they recover there they found um shell casings from a particular type of weapon it's an ar type rifle there is a gun of that type that belongs to the Murdoch family that has not been recovered or turned over. And investigators, I'm told, would really like to find that gun. They've never found this rifle, and they would greatly appreciate it if somebody knows where it is, if they would just bring it forward. Yeah, I bet, Valerie. I'm sure that's number one. Tied for first with let's find who did this. And also, like, even if it's not the murder weapon, could we not just have guns loose in the world? Could all the guns please be accounted for? Could we just know where the guns are? That's all I'm asking. The South. I feel like every single thing we ask is such a big ask to everyone else. But to us, it's just like, please. I know. Because I was like, they want to find it because they think it's maybe the murder weapon. I want them to find it because I just like to know where the guns are. I would just like it away from someone who can do more harm. Totally. Call me crazy. (laughs) Such a dumb woman. So... There are a lot of investigators at play here. There's SLED, right? Which is like the South Carolina law enforcement people. And then there are all these investigators. But But SLED put a tight lid on things. They have not released a suspect's sketch. They've not done any press conferences. That's very unusual in such a high-profile case. They're royalty, this family down there, and they're not saying a word about it, and people think that's weird. And it's also like, (laughs) I don't know, I feel like the gunshots are coming from within the house, you know what I mean? And I feel like maybe you don't say that because, like, they're afraid they're all going to get sued or something. So it's like four days after the murders, they're at the funeral, no arrest, no suspect, no information, but you know what there's no shortage of? Twists. The twists just keep on coming. (laughs) Just when you think, and I'm telling you, there's not like two twists. There are like five. Right. And so like, this is where we get the backstory on this family. For more than a century, the Murdochs have been like royalty here. A multi-generational dynasty that has controlled much of the area's legal system. 
It all started back in 1910 with Alec's great-grandfather, Randolph Murdoch I. He started a law firm that has become a, a giant here in South Carolina. It's a family dynasty that controlled much of the area's legal system. I don't think it's supposed to work that way. I don't think one family is just supposed to be fucking in charge. Starting in like 1910? Like, oh, great. I wonder how they signed it. Uh, like, oh, oh, right. My God. Of course. Oh, God. Of course. Like Randolph Murdoch the first. It's so old timey. And I said the first. Give me a fucking break. And it's like, it's just super powerful lawyers. A lot of influence. They knew the cops. They knew they knew everybody. They were running that town. Yeah. Another thing that's important is that Randolph the first was appointed solicitor who's like the main prosecutor for this like five county area and it's a, apparently a very high power position and this is where we see the Rolodex like he was succeeded by his son and his son right. was succeeded by his son and they all look like Lindsey Graham and they all look like they're about to have sex with the pool boy while the pool boy has sex with his wife sure yeah absolutely well that's <laughs> that's accurate specific but accurate <laughs> this is also when Dateline does this thing the lower third has your family ever been in the same line of work for generations tweet Greg Melvin using the hashtag Dateline I'm like, what are you guys just trying to get more episodes? I know. know. Getting people to incriminate themselves on Twitter? Oh, God. So the Murdochs are running things statewide, but now they have their civil law firm and they specialize in personal injury law. It specialized in personal injury lawsuits, often winning big settlements for their clients. Jurors in Hampton County are known as Hampton jurors. They awarded significant settlements that are much higher than what you would find one county over. Those legal victories also produced Big profits for the firm. They're fucking fancy ambulance chasers. Right. Like, this is the lowest of the low. Now, I'm not saying that people who are injured aren't entitled to money, but, like, you know how this works. But, like, why they're doing it. Yes. Like, they're doing it because they just, like, don't have enough, and they want more, and they want more. We also learned that this county where this civil law firm is gives, like, ten times bigger settlements than the county next door for the same exact offense. Right. They're learning the youngins, the kids who are kind of coming up are like, wait, the money is in the personal injury firm. The money isn't in the old timey centuries old crotchety building. No. And they also tell us that like for all the money and power the Murdoch family had, they didn't isolate themselves from the locals. They said they were very relatable. They went to the store just like you and me. Oh, you mean the peasants? (laughs) Yeah. You were so nice to the peasants (laughs) who are like who you actually deem as like lower class than you. Of course. But by 2006, the Murdoch family's grip on the Lowcountry's legal system was changing as Randolph III retired as solicitor. And none of his children wanted to take on that role as an elected official. And there's no money in public service, okay? The money is in that law firm. So the dynasty was already coming to an end, partly because the good old boy way of doing things can't work anymore. It doesn't work. And the kids now are like, I just want the fancy cars and the drugs. I don't care at all about the power, you know? What's so funny is that it's just assumed that if they wanted it, they could just have it. And then it just would stay in the family. That's so ridiculous. It's an elected position. And I was like, is this appointed? Like, do you get to pick your successor? No. But these, like, spoiled assholes don't even want it. They All they want to do is work in the law firm and make the billions. Right. So now back to the murders, right? Yeah. Sled is not divulging anything to the public, which, I mean, partly is fine. We always say this, like, they don't really owe us anything. Yeah. But again, it's weird because it's so high profile. But they make one statement and everyone <laughs> yeah. is up in arms. <laughs> Including me. Me too. Because the same, it's like... Don't worry, everybody. Oh, my 
not? Just have some more lemonade, iced tea, whatever. <laughs> we don't know who did this, but we know for sure there's no danger to the public. So have another mint julep and it's all good. Don't worry about a thing. And don't ask any questions and don't look at anything. It's all good. They 100% know who did it. They just either don't have enough evidence to actually get the guy or they're too scared to do it. But they're also saying like, no, this was a very specific murder. Like no one else is in danger. Like these yeah. people were killed for a reason. I'm not buying that. That's what I'm like. It's time to get out of this fucking town. Get out of the lowlands. Get to the fucking highlands, whatever the hell that is. This place <laughs> is not safe. Get out. You guys, the body count that's about to start stacking up in this town, it's unbelievable. I mean, get out. Because of this one family. Yeah. Like it all connects to the Murdochs. And so Craig Melvin, our host, is like, as with many murders, the spouse is often scrutinized, and Alec Murdoch was no exception. His attorney, Jim Griffin, was quick to respond by talking to local media outlet Fox Carolina earlier this month. It's almost always the husband, so we're all going to look at Alec Murdoch for this. And I'm like, Craig, I'm with you. This is not my first rodeo either. No, and they, they, they look into him, and they say they don't really have anything to connect him to the murders. But then they say, like, the rumor mill starts. And they're saying, like, Maggie, the wife who was one of the victims, had she just seen a defense attorney— was there trouble in the marriage? Everyone's denying it. And then their lawyer goes on oh TV and starts fighting with Craig Melvin on the Today Show about <laughs> if there was a rocky marriage or not. My favorite is when the, when he asks the attorney. So, Dick, he didn't murder them. Does he perhaps know who did and why? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Right. Attorney, did you want to get some clarity on that? Did you want to maybe ask? On the ask Today me? Show. I know. <laughs> What? Why don't we get a little clarity on whether or not your client knows who did these murders? You think Craig Melvin is throwing you softballs I, on the Today Show? I know. <laughs> Do your homework. It's buddy. also like nothing makes you look guiltier than the attorney being like, well, I don't think he knows who did it. Maybe, but I don't think so. And also screaming at a journalist about how perfect their marriage was. Stay out of it. I know. Nothing makes a marriage look a little rocky than saying it was fucking perfect. They never had a fight about anything ever. Everything was fine. <laughs> Because nothing makes any sense, they start looking back at this other suspicious death in the family's past. And we're going back to February 24th, 2019. And it involves Paul, the son who was just murdered. Yeah. So Paul, who just has full access to the family boat, apparently. The family boat. He's going out for the night with himself and his girlfriend and two other couples. Paul, the younger Murdoch son, went out on the family boat with some friends. Three young couples, all under the age of 21. Paul and his girlfriend, Morgan, Connor and Miley, and Anthony and Mallory. The plan was to go to an oyster roast and hang out there for a while. But eight hours later, the boat was wrecked. I love that we get all of their names and pictures. I was like, Anthony looks like a dick. Actually, so does Mallory. And then I was like, actually, they all look like dicks. I would have hated all of these kids. Well, it's just like, let's get on the boat. Like, the plan was to go to an oyster roast and get hammered. I had to rewind that 400 times. I was like, I grew up on Cape Cod. I've never heard of an oyster roast. I don't know what it is. But, know. like, grilled oysters are amazing. So, like. Maybe they all sit around and make fun of the oyster. Oh, I see. <laughs> Yep. Do you that think poor oyster didn't do anything to you, <laughs> Murdoch family. I got to tell you, the other night, I got I had nothing else to do. I started watching the old Comedy Central roasts. Wait, not the Dean Martin ones. The no, Comedy no, Central no, like the, the Comedy Central ones. And the one where Ann Coulter was there, oh my God. Who was she there for? I don't know, but one of the comedians said to Ann Coulter, Ann Coulter, if you're here, who's out scaring birds away from our crops? <laughs> <laughs> She showed 
up knowing exactly what was going to happen. Of course. She was the comedy stud. It was because those roasts are like you just roast everybody else yes. and you say two things about the guest of honor. It's really about everyone else. Nikki Glaser looked at Jewel and said, Jewel's here, who I call Trailer Swift. <laughs> she also said, Jewel. She goes, Jewel. <laughs> Jewel, I'm not going to stand up here and badmouth you since God already did. And you go, <laughs> the oh my God. She goes, I love your teeth. They're like the Spice Girls. Each one's a different color and all just doing their own thing. <laughs> anyway, I'm not ruling out the fact that they were going to an oyster roast, which was just standing around and making fun of an oyster. Well, what do you say? Like, hey, slimy Magoo. Hey, what are you hard to open when you got sand in there? Like, what do you even say to an oyster? Oh, my God. But uh, we're doing that thing because we don't want to talk about the horrible thing that yeah. happened. So they wanted to go to the oyster roast, make fun of some oysters and get hammered. But instead, <laughs> there was a deadly boat crash. But what happens is, like, they stay at the oyster roast for, like, a couple hours. They're back on the boat. They're hammered. Paul Murdoch is driving. He decides, you know what? We're going to stop off at a bar where he, underage, and his underage friend go into the bar and order shots. At Buford Waterfront, Paul and Connor went to Luther's Bar and ordered two rounds of shots while the others waited outdoors at swings. 20 minutes later, everyone was back on the boat. Paul is the one who doesn't want to go home. And everyone is like, I really just want to go home, Paul. And he's like, no, 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 let's go to a bar. Here's another fun fact. This boat doesn't have lights. I know. So here's what would happen. One hammered teenager would drive the yes. boat while another hammered teenager would hold a flashlight up. What could go wrong? And my question is, how does this, like, they've got all the money in the world. How does this boat not have fucking flashlights? I just imagine these dummies, like, making TikToks and then turning their phones around and using the flashlight to, like, guide That's the fucking what was way. happening. You know? Money can buy you everything but common sense i guess like fix your fucking boat lights i know know. it's so like again like isn't it so simple i don't get it this is what we learn some told investigators that paul was out of control but still at the wheel he was very very drunk he was yelling at everybody he was so out of control other kids were trying to to drive the next thing miley remembered was looking up from her front seat in utter terror What we know is that there's a boat crash, right? And Mallory, who's Anthony's girlfriend, is missing. And the next day, the investigators bring Miley, one of the kids on the boat, in for an interrogation. And we see the whole thing. Yeah. And she tells us, like, look, everyone wanted to go home. Paul just wanted to, like, he, and we see the footage, like, he and some other guy are doing shots and everyone's, like, waiting on the boat, waiting for Paul to keep getting hammered. Like, how drunk do you fucking have to be? Also, like, the drinking age in South Carolina is 21. Am I wrong? Or is it 18 there? I'm, that's a real, (laughs) 21. No one's carding this fucking kid. I mean, I guess he had his brother's ID from getting the booze earlier. He's royalty. Everyone knows him. I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, oh, whatever. Cause he, I mean, it's mommy's credit card. So that's, I'm sorry. I was a bartender for, 10 years and we were always oh, told same. if you get somebody too drunk and they go out and hurt somebody you are liable. Somebody totally. find a fucking bartender and sue that guy. I know. I know. So according to Miley all the kids are trying to get Paul away from the steering wheel with the boat that doesn't have any lights yeah. and he's belligerent and insisting on driving and they're all like they can see what's coming and they're trying to get him to stop and he won't do it. Yeah. So he's driving full speed ahead toward a goddamn bridge. Everyone is panicking and screaming and he crashes into the wood pilings under the bridge. Three of the kids were thrown into the water, Paul, Anthony, and Mallory, and two of the kids were left on the boat. Anthony was like all the way over there, like where we had hit, and Paul was in on like the closest piling to the shore. Paul and Anthony were able to swim to land, but no one could see or hear Mallory. 
no one can find Mallory. So Mallory's missing. And we have dash cam footage of Anthony, Mallory's boyfriend, yeah. and he's a wreck. And he's hysterical, as he should be. And he's screaming at Paul and about him. Yeah. He was in love with Mallory. He's saying he wanted to marry her. Yeah. And he's fucking enraged. He's like, get that motherfucker away from me. They had to bleep it on Dateline. I'm also sorry, Anthony. Like, I, I actually am sorry, Anthony. But, like, also, this is not the first time Paul's behaved like this. None of this is new behavior. No, and, like, you know better than to get on a boat with your belligerent friend who's fucking hammered. You're not blameless here, Anthony. But to them, they've gotten away with everything. Yes. It's the Murdochs. Yep. It's this, like, fake safety that everyone feels when you're around money. This is how you become a cautionary tale. This is it. Today is the day, Anthony. So some of the kids, like Connor, are at the hospital for their injuries. And that's when Daddy Murdoch shows up. Yeah. Because he sees his son, Paul. Right? Of yep. course, checking on his son. But he also goes over to Connor and he's like, Connor, you keep your goddamn mouth shut. You don't say a word. Don't talk to the cops. We'll take care of it. But also, why don't you talk to my close personal friend and your new lawyer yeah. named Corey Fleming? So Paul's dad, Murdoch, the guy that we're talking about, is telling all the kids to be quiet and giving them a lawyer. Right. Because Paul is clearly at fault here. So right. Connor's current attorney is here saying that was a serious conflict of interest because Corey Fleming was one of Murdoch's closest friends and Paul's godfather. That was apparently not revealed to the cooks. And this was not revealed to Connor. So Connor doesn't know that like he's now being given a lawyer that of course is going to like get a great deal for the fucking Murdoch family. Right. They're all going to sort of be as one. Right? right. And so Connor's current lawyer put an end to that immediately. Yeah. Filed a lawsuit. Good for him. I hope he brings that guy down. A week later, a fucking solid week Ugh. later, Mallory's body is found five miles from the accident. And we Ugh. learn Paul never talked to the authorities. And I was like, how was he given the choice not to talk? He was, like, escorted home because Daddy Murdoch came in with the high-powered lawyer. So two months later, he's arrested. He's charged with two counts of boating under the influence causing injury and one count of boating under the influence causing death. So good. He gets charged. Right. Also, boating under the influence. How rich. Boating how under the rich. I know. What is it? Yachting under the influence? Come on. Come on. And then the narrator goes, And now, two years later, he was dead alongside his mother and many were wondering did the boat crash have anything to do with the murders two years later he's dead savage <laughs> right and the point is like does the boat crash have anything to do with this? Several people are furious at him for killing Mallory. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure it's connected. The best part is that like Anthony's lawyer and Connor's lawyer are being interviewed together. And Anthony, yeah. who was the angriest at Paul, his lawyer goes, I don't know. I don't know. That's not, I have, I have no idea if they're connected. And Connor's lawyer is like, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And they're like, Could oh, be. we didn't rehearse before we sat down for Dateline together. <laughs> So now there are even more twists, okay? Yeah. A few months after Alec's wife and son were murdered, he calls 911 again. So the murders were in June. This is September. He explains, and this 911 dispatcher has no time <laughs> for know. his shit. She's <laughs> bored, as she should be, because it's I like, know. oh, Murdoch now what? I know. So he's like, I, stopped, I got a flat tire, mm -hmm. and I stopped, and somebody stopped to help me. And I just hear Dorothy, hurry up, Rose. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And he's like, and then... When I turned my back, they tried to shoot me. Did they actually shoot you or they tried to shoot you? They shot me and I'm bleeding a lot. Where, where part of your body? Uh, okay, I'm not sorry. sure. Somewhere on my head. 
on what part of your body <laughs> did they shoot you? And he goes, I don't know, somewhere on my head. I okay. know. This does not I sound know. like a person who's just been shot in the head no. at Point Blake Range. Am I crazy? No, and then the, the voiceover goes, right away, there's lots of holes in the story. <laughs> Craig's like, don't worry, girl. We're covering all the red flags. Stop being enraged for five seconds. And I'm like, Craig, I can't. It's my job. Well, because we learn that the kind of car he was driving, the Mercedes-Benz, you can drive that kind of car with a flat tire. Apparently. Super fancy pants. I didn't know there was that kind of technology that you could drive a car and a flat tire. I didn't. But here's another question. Why is Daddy Moneybags fixing his own tire? I can't imagine that he's doing <laughs> Because that. the story is bogus, Julian. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to make a lie like this, yeah. do it better. I'm glad you didn't. But is anyone going to believe that you with the boating and the beach house and the this house, you're actually fixing Changing your own, your own tire? tire? Absolutely not. Give me a not. break. The hospital report describes the gunshot wound that he has because he does have a gunshot wound, but it's like a graze. They describe it as superficial. And so two days after this, Murdoch releases a Statement. Murdoch released a statement saying he was, quote, entering rehab after a long battle that has been exacerbated by these murders. It later came out Alec said he had been addicted to opioids. The editor of the local paper is like, his 20-year addiction to opioids was news to everyone. <laughs> everybody. Everybody. His families, his partners at the law firm, like, it's a total fucking lie. If you guys could understand the timeline here, this all happened on top of each other. His family was murdered. They're reinvestigating that murder from forever. Suddenly, this guy whose family just got killed is on the side of the road saying he got shot. Like, I remember when this was all happening at once, being like, what the fuck is going on in the lowlands? And then it's like, oh, and then two years earlier, there was a deadly boat crash and that's probably connected to right. it's like wait what and then we're gonna learn about something else even farther back it's that's probably connected crazy and so Alec is now saying he's like you know what I'm going into rehab I'm gonna resign from my law firm take care of my mental health take care of myself and the partners at his firm are like um in a statement the firm said it was suing Alec to recover money he stole from the firm and its clients no one has publicly said how much but the New York Times reported it's in the millions what really happened is that he was fired for stealing a ton of money from the firm and its clients. And it's like, it's in the millions. Yes. And so they say, like, this guy who's always had everything is now, like, in the process of losing everything. What happened on the side of the road with the gunshot, and we'll get more into it in a second, was this big plot that he had to die by suicide or have somebody kill him so that his one remaining son, who, by the way, his name is Buster, because of course it's Buster. Is. Buster Murdoch from South Carolina. <laughs> the Lowlands girl, don't forget. Excuse me, sorry. So that he could get the $10 million or whatever in, like, life insurance. Right, because they're not as rich as they appear because he's embezzling millions and millions of dollars. Exactly. So it's all, like it usually is, all a facade, right? So 12 days later, Alec is arrested for insurance fraud. Right. But according to Murdoch, here's what happened. Yeah. He asked, <laughs> he is saying that, like, he's like, yes, I was desperate and this is what I did. Yes. Murdoch told investigators he asked this man, Curtis Eddie Smith, to kill him. Smith was also arrested on charges including conspiracy to commit insurance fraud and assisted suicide. Curtis is here with his lawyer named Johnny McCoy, or as I call him, Cool Guy Johnny. <laughs> I also do feel like this is Cool Guy Johnny's first day of being a lawyer because he's very quiet. He looks very nervous. <laughs> Until he does it. He loves that I just called him Cool Guy Johnny. His name is Johnny McCoy. 
Totally. That's an amazing name. He's the nerdiest John McCoy you've ever, like, this guy just looks terrified. He's in over his head. Like, it's it's all bad for John McCoy. Yeah, he's going up against the Murdochs, totally. right? So Curtis was also arrested for, you know, insurance fraud and assisted suicide. Yeah. And so Craig, our host, is like, so uh, how you been? How are things since the arrest? And Curtis goes, stressful. Yeah, thanks for asking, Craig. How you doing? Curtis is a fucking wreck. And I got to tell you, I wish I could say I totally believe Curtis's version of events. I don't necessarily. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Nothing is simple with this because yeah. Curtis is like, I'm totally innocent. Also, I don't know if this is worth noting. He was your lawyer. Yes. Murdoch represented Smith for an accident claim, but they're actually also distant cousins, and Smith started doing odd jobs for Murdoch. Murdoch was my lawyer for a time, and we're also cousins. This is a callback to how Murdoch is a fucking ambulance chaser. He was representing this poor down-on-his-luck guy in some sort of, like, wrongful accident suit. But then they got into this dynamic where Curtis started doing what he calls odd jobs Uh for the Murdochs. And so Murdoch calls, and Curtis assumes it's, like, another random gig. It's another freelance gig. I'm sorry, but, like, when you meet a guy like that, we just did this on the page with the Chippendales. This is the kind of guy you know you can call when you need someone to kill you on the side of the road. That's exactly you what know happened. what I mean because <laughs> because Curtis is like, well, I thought it was another random gig until right. Murdoch says to me, so here's what I need you to do. I need you to shoot me in the back of the head. And Curtis <laughs> tells us, yeah. I refused. Murdoch I, I demands don't know. it. I said it ain't happening. Baby, like baby ain't happening. Smith said Murdoch then pulled out his own gun. He made his move like, like this, you know, and I just grabbed his arm. You, you took the gun, shoved it behind him. Between me and him. They both reached for the gun. But this is when cool guy Johnny has his moment. So he's like, hey, Craig, 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 hey, 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 watch this. Are you watching? And then he turns and he's like, Curtis, how sure are you that Murdoch didn't get shot? Give me a percent. Give me a number. And Curtis is like, I'm a thousand percent sure. And cool guy Johnny's like, pretty cool, huh? Rest my case. (laughs) Because what Curtis is saying is that Murdoch said, you got to shoot me and kill me. And I said I wasn't going to do it. And so then it looked like he was going to maybe shoot himself. And I was trying to wrestle the gun away from him. And the gun went off. But he didn't get shot. And the implication being, when Curtis takes off, Murdoch shot himself later. And that's why the wound was superficial. It's all a mess, GP. It's all a mess. And it's like something happened. And what we're being told happened is not it. 100%. It's not it. Yeah. Because now suddenly Murdoch comes out and is like, oh, oh, also, the another thing about Curtis, not only did I... I used to be his lawyer and we're cousins. Curtis was my drug dealer for like 10 years. Remember that opioid problem I've had for two decades? He's the guy. Curtis was like, how dare you? I I was not. (laughs) And then Craig, I mean, the hits just keep on coming. Craig Melvin. He's like, is there anything else Murdoch could be trying to escape? Yes. Right after the break. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't handle this. We come back from the break and he's like, for the second time in a month, Murdoch was arrested. Not for the stage suicide, not for the embezzlement, not for the double murder of his wife and kid, and not for the deadly boat crash. I'm like, then what the hell else is it? (laughs) Well, this is where we take a little journey back to February 2nd, 2018. We learn about a woman named Gloria Satterfield, who was like the Murdoch family housekeeper slash babysitter. And on that day... On the 2nd of February, 2018, Gloria fell down the front steps of the Murdoch home. What were you told about what had happened? Just that she had fell, that she was tripped by the dogs, and that they thought she had a head injury because they saw blood. And that was about it. They blame it on the dogs. She tripped on the dogs and died. This is 
definitely not what fucking happened. Well, she's taken to the hospital where she languishes for 21 days. Her family's here. Her brothers and her sisters and her kids are here. And they're like, she was in intensive care, but she was like responsive. They could talk to her. And then one day they all say like, goodbye, we'll see you tomorrow. And she fucking dies. And the thing about Gloria is that she worked for this family for years. And they say that she loved it. She took pride in working with them and she loved her job. But then we get a little detour because Craig Melvin's like, everyone in this county is intertwined. Uh Bar hopper or churchgoer? (laughs) Enormous mansion or double wide? They're all connected. Like characters in a John Grisham novel. And I'm like, Craig. Or Shakespeare, girl. Or Shakespeare on the same plane, don't you think? Yeah, bar hopper (laughs) to churchgoer. And I'm like, can't we do both? What's What's going on? Sometimes if you go to a Catholic mass, you get a little wine during church. Or you just bring it with you no matter where you go. But this is the thing, like, at the funeral for Gloria, Alec Murdoch says to Gloria's kids, I accept full responsibility. I'm going to make sure you get an insurance payout. He's going to take care of them. Her kids are here. One of them is described as special needs. These kids are struggling. These are not people with means. The mom was definitely supporting and taking care of the kids. They need the money. They need the fucking money. This is a big deal. But Murdoch does the thing he did with the kids in the deadly boat crash. He introduces this family. Why don't you talk to my good friend? and your new lawyer, Corey Fleming. Right. So Corey Fleming is in on all of this with the embezzling and the fraud and all of it. He's another player in this. They think he's their lawyer and he's working on this insurance settlement for them. Three years past, they'd see not a dime. Something's fishy about this thing. And I said, I just don't think these boys are going to get what they deserve was, you know, due to them. Last June, Eric read an article about Paul and Maggie's murder that mentioned a settlement in Gloria's case for half a million dollars. That was news to him. So the Satterfields hired their own lawyers to find out just where the heck the money went. The Murdochs received a $500,000 insurance payout in the Gloria case, and none of that money ever made it to Gloria's fucking family. Right. So once they see it in print, they're like, okay, bye, Corey Fleming. You suck. So they get two more lawyers (laughs) who are here with us, Eric Bland and Ronnie Richter, and they're like, we're going to get to the bottom of it. So they write Corey Fleming a strongly worded letter. Well, this is serious. But they get no response. So then they sue Corey and the Murdochs and all that and quote a local banker. I don't know. You know what, though? The fucking, they sue the banker who made the payout. Like, maybe this guy's in on it. Good. Sue the bartender, too. Sue everybody. Right. And that's when Craig, in his best Keith Morrison impression, goes, that did get a response. (laughs) Yeah, suing someone really does get a response, I would think. You guys are not ready for the fucking steam that's about to come out of GP's ears, because what these attorneys do. The real confirmatory information came when we subpoenaed Corey Fleming's bank account, and we saw all the checks. And that's when the confirmation came of the 4.3 million. Where did all the money go? We're still tracing where the money actually landed, but it is impossible to burn that kind of money in Hampton, South Carolina. The settlement amount was $4.3 million, and that family never saw a dime of it. And now it's gone. They just don't know where it is. Gloria's lawyers are trying to get it for them, and Murdoch and company are like, I don't know Murdoch and co. Can we talk about how the fucking Murdoch killed her? Am I wrong? Yeah, either he killed her or, like, the sons are involved. I think he was totally responsible uh-huh. for it. I think uh, the dogs didn't do it. I know no. that much. I mean, something <laughs> is here that we're missing that we're not being told. I'm sorry. Like, for $4.3 million, they 
killed that poor woman. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know the story, but I mean, all signs are pointing to them. This is case number what, four? Yeah. And we have a fifth coming I down know. the pike? Come on. I will say we do learn that a few weeks after coming into the knowledge of the 4.3 mil, Corey, the lawyer, does reach some sort of financial settlement with the Stratofield family. We don't know how much. And then his law license was suspended. We ripped away from Bye. him. Bye. Bye. So then, mysterious death number five. Dateline's words, not mine, but also mine. You guys. Now, Murdoch is in custody for what happened to Gloria Satterfield. Like the felony charges, the fraud, the embezzlement, whatever. So now, not whatever, it's horrible. Yep. But <laughs> now we learn July 8th, 2015. Yeah. It's 4 a.m. A man calls 911 because he sees a person laying in the middle of the street. Yeah. An officer shows up and discovers the body of Stephen Smith. And we're here with Sandy, his mom, and Stephanie, his twin sister. I just want to say the guy who called the cops was on his way to work at 4 a.m. I felt a little seen. I know. It's like midnight. It's 5 o'clock right now. It's midnight to you. I get it. <laughs> so Stephen, who was 19, lived with his twin sister, Stephanie, who I'm assuming was also 19. That's a very safe assumption. <laughs> but the mom was like listening to like the police radio or whatever and heard that there had been a body found in the middle of the road. So she called Stephanie. She's like, So I called Stephanie and made sure they were okay. And um, she said, Did Stephen come to your house last night? And I said, No. I was a little confused. If he didn't come home, we knew. Something was wrong. Something was wrong. And that's how they know some shit is bad. Obviously, the body in the middle of the road was Stephen. Stephen is dead. And the cops say that they found his cell phone. They found his car keys. They find his car eventually. It's parked three miles away from where they found his body. The doors were locked, but the gas tank door was open and the, and the gas tank plastic spinny thing was hanging off. Yeah. Very weird I don't know detail. what it is, so I, I'm going with plastic yeah, spinny thing. I, they threw me for a loop when they said gas tank door. I was like, okay, I guess that's what we're calling that. That's the little that's mini, the that's the little square, yeah. right? Yes. Sorry. You push it in and then it opens. Oh, you don't, oh, you, I thought you just open nope. it. See, learn something new every day. You push it right in. Okay, great. I'm sure it changes from making yeah. metal to cars, you know, whatever. Investigators could tell Stephen had injuries to his left arm, hand, and head. He also looked to have a hole in his skull above his right eye. Could that be a gunshot wound they don't know if it's a gunshot wound but there's no bullet found and so they say that the cause of death was a blunt head trauma from being hit by a car and now we learn about Stephen, which is all very important information. Stephen, again, was 19. He was a nursing student. He had, like, dreams of becoming a doctor. He was also openly gay. And the authorities are wondering if, like, that might have had something to do with his being killed. And his family is worried about that, too. His family is, they're the ones who kind of bring this, like, could this be related? Yeah. So I'm sure you're all asking, how are the Murdochs connected to this? Right. So what's happening is that this is not very clear because there are so many cases happening with the Murdoch family uh -huh. right now that they're all at different levels of what's happening. But what's going on and we don't know anything about it because it's an open investigation. Law enforcement has confirmed that they're taking fresh eyes to Stephen's case based on the double murder investigation of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. So somehow, yeah. we don't know how, yeah. but based on what they learned about the double murder at the top of the episode, they are now reopening Stephen's case. And it's so crazy because that just tells us they know who did it and they just can't tell us anything. It's so weird. And this family is just shady as fuck. Yeah. Like, it's just so, like, it's September of 2021. So, like, all eyes are on Murdoch, right? He's facing all of these criminal charges, wrongful death, and embezzlement, and fraud. And in September 2021, remember Buster, uh the young son who was he wanted uh -huh. to have the insurance policy? In September, Alec 
granted power of attorney to his son Buster, seen here, in a recent photo that was taken in Las Vegas, according to court filings. The civil attorneys who are suing the Murdochs say the family is selling or hiding its assets, listing a boat, selling off properties, and a hunting club membership. Alec is giving him power of attorney at, like, the crafts table in Vegas. <laughs> That's where you and do it. And the family is either hiding assets or selling assets. They're, oh, they had to sell their coveted hunting club membership I and know. the boat and all this stuff. It's just a mess. Yeah, and, like, that's kind of where it ends. Like, they just kind of say, like, we're Dayline. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> right, because remember how, like, Mommy Doomsday, there are, like, 11 episodes? Yeah. Like, this is the first of many episodes that Dateline is going to do because th- there are so many cases. Yeah. Like, Murdoch is currently facing 75 state charges 75 wow yeah so like this is ongoing i guess you know you'll know before we do because <laughs> we don't record in real time yeah oh wait i have some good news though oh what murdoch has been in prison since october 2021 <laughs> the people of south carolina are safe for now <laughs> Oh my goodness, girl, we did the Murdoch murders from Dateline. Goodness gracious. I mean, nothing makes sense. I, I hate know. them all, except for like Steven's family and Gloria's family and like the good people, but my, my goodness. My goodness. Fam, we are playing Broadway next week, Monday, April 11th. We are playing Broadway. If you have tickets, please, please come. If you're not going to be there, get on the Facebook group, find the pin post. Someone will buy your tickets for face value. Who really wants to be there? Jillian and I have this. It's our Broadway debut. It's a dream come true. We need every single seat to be full. It's been sold out for two years. If you have tickets, you got to come. Yeah, you have to come. Please, please, please. We're working so hard on it, really. We want to give you something special. So please, please, please be there. And if you can't, great. But make sure someone can come. Yes, yes. Also, come to Obsessed Fest. We're relaunching the website in a couple of weeks. It's all going to be a la carte. You can come in any way you want to be there. Come see us on tour. Seattle, Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles. Not in that order. You always say LA last, which is that correct. That is true. But the LA other ones are free for all. We're doing Class Action Park. Who doesn't want to see you and me do that live? It's all the stuff that you remember from the episode. <laughs> all the new stuff. It's going to be such a fun time. Are you excited? I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. What are we doing next, girl? We are doing the Gabby Petito special on Peacock. Oh, my goodness. I it's know. so crazy. I, know. I hate the laundries, I- but, you know, whatever. <laughs> hot, real hot take. I- the laundries suck. <laughs> Heard it here first. All right, fam. Stay tuned for the trailer for that and then our, our funny and ridiculous and hilarious outtakes. Maybe we'll end with, like, a joke from one of the Comedy Central roasts. So stay tuned. Maybe. Yeah. You know what we didn't say once? What? Any version of Bless Your Heart. Oh. We're in South oh. Carolina. We didn't say, oh, bless. Because bless is the worst. <laughs> like, that's when they're like, you should fucking die. Like, oh, so, hey, Murdoch, if you're listening, bless. bless. All right, bye. Bye. Gabby and her fiance embarked on a cross-country trip in Gabby's 2012 white Ford van. It was like every parent's nightmare, just like in a, in a flash of a second. She's gone. She's missing. Let's just take a minute, step back, and breathe. The thoughts that were going through my head were something, something really bad has happened to her. That time when we were looking for Gabby was blur. It's, it's really like it. It's horrific. The media and the internet just went crazy. I think the hashtag Find Gabby hit like over a billion people. Her bright, beautiful light touched a lot of people. I am going to walk down here a little bit because I see something. Right here, okay, is where they think that it's a shadow of someone digging. There was definitely more to this relationship than was being shown on social media. 
even if they're yeah. like broiled uh-huh. or grilled, and like six hours of raw oysters is a death wish. Like that's <laughs> just insane. It's just a lot. So I have a feeling they weren't going for the oysters. Just, yeah. They were going to get yeah. hammered. Do you remember when Jewel went undercover to do karaoke and she did Jewel songs and everyone was like, I wish you sounded more like Jewel. And the big reveal was that it was Jewel. You and me should go to Midnight Mass with a flask. God. <laughs> a little workaround. So- a little tip from me to you. Just bring it with you. Do you think it's like the law firm of Blandon Richter? Blandon Richter? Can, I can hear that commercial. Yeah. Injury attorney. Oh, that's Salino and Barnes. Remember? Yeah. Salino and Barnes. Injury attorney. 800-888-8888. Give us a call. We're Blandon Richter. But we're not bland. Not in that kind of way. We're super fun and cool. And Coulter. Here we go. Is Pete white? Is he black? And Coulter needs to know so she can decide if she hates him. You know, last year we had Martha Stewart who sells sheets, and now we have Ann Coulter who cuts eye holes in them. I just realized that I am not the only athlete up here tonight. As you all know, earlier this year, Ann Coulter won the Kentucky Derby. I do want to say, first of all, as a feminist, uh, I can't support everything that's being said up here tonight. But uh, as somebody that hates Ann Coulter, I'm delighted. So. (laughs) 